So how do how do we want to uh, how do we want to introduce this thing? I mean, really, what's the idea that we're talking about making? Yeah, I mean, it's um, makers talking about making. Makers talking about making, but I think to me, it, it's less about technique and more about ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I you know, I don't want it to be a tool talk. No, I don't want it to be know? a tool talk at all. Yeah. I mean, I want I mean, it to be, I want it to be. It's the philosophy of making. Well, I mean, I'm interested in talking to other makers of, you know, not only where do your ideas come from, but, you how, know, what's your process? Yeah, I how mean, do you develop the ideas? And, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, um, so I'm sort of interested in the kernel of, you know, where ideas come from and just what that process is in terms of, you know, having enough faith in that idea to make something. Because for me... I have to have enough faith that the idea doesn't suck. Yeah. I mean, it's... You want to pull it out of your head and make something more of it than just a, a kernel of an idea. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and other people sort of get caught up in this sort of this, this notion of this miracle of creation. Well, I mean, I, I, I think it's more like the, uh, the blood, sweat, and tears of creation because... To me, it's a journey. It's this, it's this yeah. trip down a road. Yeah, it's not the destination at the end of the road. It's the, the journey the whole time. So uh, here I am talking with uh, Rod Helmkamp, and uh, this is a test for... Our, uh, our podcast, Why Make, talking with makers about what inspires them and why they make. And um, Rob is an interesting character in that we're kind of twin sons of different mothers. I met him at the Piedmont Craft Show, God, like eight, nine years ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah. When I looked at his biography and I went, holy shit, he's probably 10, but you're 10 years younger than me? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm about to turn 43. Oh, okay, well, you're more than 10 years younger than me. You're, but uh, anyways, but you know, dad! No, wait. <laughs> oh, you had a kid really young, didn't you? Now, anyways, but we followed the, a, a lot of the same path. We both went to West Virginia University together. Um, we both spent large periods of our life in Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, I grew up in Pittsburgh. He spent some time in Pittsburgh. Um, he then went on to Haywood Community College and their program in fine woodworking and studied with Wayne Rabb. I did that. And then it was just remarkable that uh, we both followed a lot of the, the same career paths. But uh, So I throw to you, growing up playing heavy metal music in Morgantown, West Virginia, what made you think about first wanting to make kind of happened even a, a lot further back than that like growing up in a navy family um, my dad was in the navy and we so we moved from town to town every two or three years or so and my brother and i always wanted to make our own special kingdoms where we moved to in southern california or pittsburgh or whatever so we would we would build tree forts and tree houses and which you know we had to leave after two or three years so then we create new ones and eventually I got into skateboarding and I was building ramps so we we're always making stuff we we pile boxes together and crates and make airplanes or you know just different things outside playing in the dirt 
making making our own little in made up environment. It was just you know that's how we maybe had fun, but also dealt with stuff because we didn't always have you know we had to make new new friends and everything. So it was just great to be able to make those, and I made a lot of tree houses, and so that. Moving on, I, I liked working with my hands. And somehow or another, I neglected trade school in high school. I had an option to do like Votech in Morgantown. And I was like, no, that's for rednecks. I don't want to do that. And where in fact I could have learned how to build cabinets when I was 17 and make some furniture. But I, I decided that to go into journalism and public relations out of my love for, for music and, and writing about stuff like that. and. I just never satisfied with things, ended up not wanting to sit in, sit in front of a computer, just wanted to do more with my hands. And I was really doing a lot of stuff like backyard woodworking, like we were saying, back porch woodworking. You know, I was making shelving units and just these weird, bizarre things out of like two by twelves and, you know, whatever I could create in my, my back. Most of that actually started happening in, in Chapel Hill or in Carborough, right. over by the, the graveyard, back by the fire station back there. Um, and uh, I was like, I've really got to do something more with this. So I ended up taking a, a wood turning class in Graham. Um, and I took a, a dovetail class, which I actually... I think I puked out of because I was so sick <laughs> and then took another class with Michael Joyerling, um, you know, learning a little bit from him and I was like, I've got to do something more with this. So I ended up searching schools and, you know, uh, long story short, I ended up at Haywood in 2004 and I was, you know, headlong into Haywood. I would spend 60 hours a week there easily and buff the floors at Weaver at Weaver or at a uh, at, uh, green life at night. You know, I, I had a, I had a night job and went and made stuff and tried to discover stuff in, during the day at Haywood. So. Well, actually it was interesting. I was going to backtrack cause I mean, I think we both come from a family where there's a lot of artists. I think I mentioned yeah. before my brother was a problem. So your brother was going to, art school at WVU at the same time. Just about. He was about a year or so behind me. And right. He so, was exploring a different type of art. He was exploring sculpture. Right. I mean, you did know? that, was, you think that influenced <coughs> you at all when you saw oh, your brother? Oh, absolutely. I've, and, it's, and it's weird. I, like, I look up to my brother a whole lot with the stuff he does. But, you know, as we got to know each other as adults and stuff, I realized that he looked up to me just as much. And so it was this mutual respect through music. He, he's always played a lot of music. He's a pro, very proficient drummer and has, plays in like punk and hardcore bands wherever he's at. Right. Um, and I've always admired that in him and, you know, in doing that art and then doing the metal sculpture and dinosaur making and all the crazy stuff that he's doing. So we've always, we've always had a, you know, this admiration for each other and what we're doing. Right, but it it seems like it had to have some sort of visual impact when you were you were tinkering making stuff on your on your porch in West Virginia, and mm -hmm. your brother was up at the art school, you know, welding together, yeah, you know, welding together metal and and making stuff in a in a different sense, but it was definitely 
I mean, I'm just curious that it had to have had some sort of visual impact. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's like I've I've never tried to emulate my brother, or is is as far as like what he does. The body of work and the stuff that he makes is his, and I just did. I love the fact that he's making. Like I don't know if I'm necessarily influenced by what he makes, but just the fact that he's in there doing it. Um, we both we've talked about it, and we both have like completely different influences. Like his his head is full of other stuff that I mean sculptors some of them he talks about I've never even heard of right and so it's really I I just think the in there seeing him doing it is more of an inspiration to me than actually what he does right you know so when so when you got to Haywood um, what was your what was your outlook on furniture what was the kind of furniture you liked I mean what what did you think furniture was let's let what did you think furniture was when you got to Haywood? I, my, when I dropped into Haywood, I wanted to, I was like, oh, I want to do stuff like Wendell Castle. And then I realized that after I started putting that stuff together, that I couldn't really find a voice that wasn't Wendell Castle. And I didn't want to make what Wendell Castle was making. So... So was was it the, the big block laminated carved yeah. stuff that, you yeah, were, that yeah, intrigued you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I just started kind of messing around with, with different styles and um, doing some folk art kind of stuff, which I'm actually bringing back a little bit with my fly swatters. And, but just be a lot of folk art. Like I, I, I kind of like um, Andy Buck's work. Yeah, I was going to say. Really so whimsical painted kind of stuff. He, yeah. He did a series of toilet plungers. Yeah. That were great. And I was like, that's awesome. But I'm not going to make toilet plungers. It's like, what can I make that's utilitarian that I can give a whimsical tilt to? And it ended up being fly swatters. And, and it was weird. I was just, I was trying to discover what I wanted to say. And I mean, I honestly still think I'm on that search, but that was just the beginning of it. And uh, there was a... So you you saw Andy's Buck's work when you were at Haywood. I did. I did. Um, and some other work like um, uh, John Grew Sheridan's work. Oh yeah, was really really kind of inspiring. It's one of those things that was inspiring without me really realizing that it was inspiring. Like I, you know, I, I read about it and saw his work, and then didn't get what he was doing, and then I got what he was doing all of a sudden a couple years later, and I was like, oh. That's kind of how I've been thinking about stuff too, with you know trying to tell a, a subtle story with. Right. Furniture. I mean, it's, if if I recall, it's worse a lot less sculptural than Wendell Castle. Right. It's right. much yeah, more. Very, it's much more formalistic. It's much more about. Very very much. There's a lot of function in his in his work. Right. And much more traditional woodworking yeah, skills. Yeah. With 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 really subtle imagery and you know a, a story that almost kind of has to be explained sometimes. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where I started where, when I got out of Haywood. That was what I was, you know, trying to discover, like right. how to how to tell a story, and I with you know trying to trying to do it with without being um, without being a, a you know without copying stuff. Although, just to backtrack a little bit, I'm curious. You're using the term folk art to describe yeah. your fly swatters. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just curious why. I don't. I don't. For think... lack of a better explanation, um, 
Is it because you're afraid of the word sculpture? No, 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 no. Because no, I mean, the folk all. art say so. Here's an object in common usage, but it's I mean, and they are functional yeah. fly swatters. Yeah. And I, I doubt Andy Buck's plungers were probably functional, but or maybe they were. I, I, I think so. There are rubber things. I don't know if anybody <laughs> wants to stick them in the toilet or anything. But, I mean, but that, I, that, I paid a hundred bucks for this. I'm not going to stick it in the toilet. <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of, or why not stick it in the toilet? So, I mean, that could be part of, that's, see, that, to me, that's making a yeah. very sculptural statement. Here's this thing. It makes, I, it <laughs> makes me mad that people buy that stuff and they, they're like, oh, that's too nice to use. I want to hang it on the wall. I'm like, no, you're supposed to use it. Well, no, just the whole thing about people that collect anything. Yeah. I mean, we're both musicians. Yeah. There's, we know lots of people that co collect instruments. Oh, yeah. And all that instrument ever does is get hung on the wall. Yeah, and that's a very weird statement for the maker. Yeah. But I'm not so sure Andy Buck didn't mean for you to put that, toilet, that plunger in that toilet. Yeah. Just like you mean for somebody to swat some flies with that thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but... I'm just curious the term folk art because so, I, okay. I don't yeah I'm just I, I just don't know what it means. It was it was. I don't think I necessarily named it folk art until, or called it within that until I had an opportunity to be on HGTV, and I had to give them a name, in the application, and I think I just ended up using folk art sculpture as. The 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 catch all. Okay. In my my thesis that I, I sent to HGTV, and then they got it and they picked it up and I think they ended up the subtitle on the television show is folk art fly swatters, and that's what it's just that's stuck. What's stuck? And there's this whole thing going on with outsider art. Yeah. I mean, with people who aren't trained. Well, and I'm not, you know. Yeah, I, we can't. It doesn't count. We are far too educated ever to be outside artists. Yeah. I mean, even though I don't know diddly shit about sculpture, mm -hmm. I know far too much about the you world. You have a geography degree. So I have a geography degree. Of course I know about the world. Well, yeah. at least I know how to, what the world looks like. It's not flat. I can tell yeah. you. It's not flat. I tried to get those, <laughs> the fly sweaters carried at a couple of folk art places, and they're like, oh, we saw your resume, and we can't take your work. Right, because you're, like, not, you're yeah, not really... Okay. Right. Never mind. So, <laughs> I'm just curious about the word, word folk art. Yeah, it's... I mean, I would just call them fly sweaters. Call them whatever. You know, because some of them look folksy. Some of them look very, you know, fine-sanded. But isn't it actually so that the gallery on the Blue Ridge Parkway outside of Asheville is called the Folk Art Center, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because I, I just don't... <clears throat> I don't associate what I, I wouldn't use the term folk art. I don't know why I'm uncomfortable with that, yeah. but I, it's not that I'm stuck up. It's just that I don't feel really folksy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and, you know, you, somebody could look at your stuff and go folk art, but, but why, why would, or why would they say that about mine, my fly sweaters do? So, you know, it's, they're, they're fun. I, I would rather call it whimsical sculpture than folk yeah. art, you know? Okay, so, yeah, we, not to go further down that path, but, um, so you got out of Haywood, and then you just went into, you started working for yourself, or you worked for somebody else? Um, I went back and forth, working a little bit with some, uh, some other makers, um, a couple graduates from Haywood hired me to help on projects, gave me a, a bench space in their shop, um, Brian Worst was one of them, and he, you know, so I dropped into a shop with him, uh, Jamie Womack uh, and Susan Link, which are all Haywood grads. And, 
you know, you can't beat a, a good price on a space to get started. And I ended up making, you know, a few of my first big pieces. I did a, a breakfast nook out of cherry for a lady and with accompanying benches all built in and the, the table and all sorts of stuff. And, and then a giant, uh, giant handrail for the front of somebody's house, this massive, big 12 foot long piece of poplar that looked like a giant fly swatter handle <laughs> and really fun pieces. But I was able to have a place to make those, you know, coming right out of school and, um, spent maybe a year and a half or two in that shop. And then, so you were men, you were mainly either working for them or doing commission work. Exactly, so you, you exactly. weren't really, you weren't really, you weren't doing spec work. You weren't driving your own design no. work to that. You were more or less designing to somebody else's needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at that point, and well, the the handrail was very freeing because they liked my work, and they were like, "We want your stuff in a, as a handrail." And I'm, oh, cool. Okay, I can take a make a giant fly swatter handle as a handrail. Sure. And and then, um, you know that that led to me doing more of my own work. I, I developed a table line that I still make today called the Caught in the Cipher series. And I've made hundreds of those tables. Um, just small side tables, hall tables, uh, a shorter one that I call short stack that's 14 inches tall. And, um, but all of that weaving in and out of that, I um, worked as a trim carpenter for two years. I worked at a, a furniture company called Old Wood for two seasons, um, they would do stuff at, uh, like at high point and the furniture market there. And, um, so yeah, you know, I needed jobs here and there and probably got really firm into working for myself in like 2011, right. 2012, something like that. But more or less it was, it was, uh, you know, trying to make ends meet through, through making woodworking in one way or the other. <laughs> so were the so were those tables really the first pieces of what self-driven design work you did post school? Um yeah, I, I would I would say they really were. I mean, I developed cutting boards before that and um I really wasn't happy with the you know the shapes that I was coming up with, so I I made a soft square cutting board and that translated to and still is these tabletops for these cotton cipher tables they're right you know it's like an angle on the side or like an angle and then curves you know to make a soft square and so I've, I've been doing my cutting boards that way for years and that that was probably the first real um thing that the cutting boards the the first real thing that kind of was a design that I really created and went with. Um, and then it translated to the tables and the, right. Um, uh, and I still, like I said, I still make them and I do, I've different takes on them, different sizes. I mean, I've done giant coffee tables. I've yet to do a dining table version of it, but right. You know, so you think you work in series, you think you take an idea and you sort of exp expound upon it and just see how far you can, you can take it. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say some of these tables are, um, I don't know, I, I go outside of those tables when I do, uh, you know, other explorations and, into stuff. But I, I really wouldn't say I work in a series. I'd say that's more production. 
Right. Um, and uh, most of the stuff I really do are one-offs. Um, right. With the exception of, of course, the jewelry on wild, which seems to be, um, yeah, that's another beast in itself. <laughs> right, because I was curious about that. We, we talked about this, this earlier, because I sort of consider it your signature piece, because that's, well, I, mean, I do probably <coughs> because that's like the first major piece of furniture I saw of yours. Yeah. And, and, I, and as I said, I was curious. I was looking on your website, and I didn't see it. <laughs> Because it doesn't really exist. Because it doesn't uh, exist. The first but, one of those I made was in 2009, and that was at the the behest of my mom. She was like, "I've got this project I want you to work on, and it's a jewelry armoire." And um, I was like, "Well, what do you need?" She gave me what she needed it to do, and then I challenged myself to make make it as not necessarily as simple as possible, because that's definitely not what happened. No, but to to just take a couple of lines, and it's literally um, two lines, a, a rectangle, and a curve. And right. That was the initial sketch, and it, then of course making that a reality was much more complex. But I, you know, I, I had just come up with. These so she never actually told you what she wanted it to look like. Right. She just said, "This is the function. It has to have." Yeah. She wanted drawers. Yeah. It she, has. She wanted drawers. We. I came up with some designs that um, that we then just like brainstormed on, and she's like, "Oh, what if it could do this?" Or I was like, "Wait, but why don't we see if it could do that?" And so the design was an interactive process, or you think that it, it was? It, I think the interaction was we interacted about the features, right? Um, Not so much about the yeah. design. And and do you? And I'm just again, I'm curious about process. I mean. Did you just scribble? Do you use your sketchbook as your? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I go back and forth. Like lately, not so much, but um, you know, I try and sit down and, and do that and just come up with shapes and 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 that's what I did with that. You know, there's pages and pages of like, you know, refining th these shapes and and getting it. I mean, and I've got notebooks of the life of the jewelry I'm Like I've developed construction techniques for it and right. Um, but yeah, the initial was just, you know, go just, quick, do 30 shapes that are suggestive, suggestive of what this should be. And, right. And then, you know, and refine the best three of them or best five of them and move forward with that. Right. And so, and, and what's the process of refining? I mean, because do you, um, do you then, do you then draw them to scale? Do you then like do um, full scale drawing of them or do you? Yeah, some, some, it kind of <clears throat> depends on the mood I'm in. I mean, really, sometimes I'll do a model. Sometimes I'll, I'll do a full scale drawing, like if I, or sometimes I'll do a, 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 a full scale prototype even. Like if I, if I'm really want to see the, the space that it takes up and what I need to do with certain elements of it. Right. Um, so it kind of depends on, I don't know, it depends on how I'm feeling. Right. <laughs> it depends on what the project wants me to do with it. Right. Um, so I can't say there's a, a, a one certain way that, that that every table I make gets built or created or something like that. But I think the essential thing is just like I'll have a dream or a thought about it that's get, that needs to get down in a sketchbook. Right. And that's so everything everything starts with the sketchbook, do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean you don't so you know, we were talking before about, you know, Gary Knox Bennett and other yeah. people who we think just go to the materials and start creating. Again, I'm not I'm not I'm not sold on that. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um 
So you, that's not a problem. You won't just go yeah. and... And my sketches are brutal, messy, gross things that that somehow or another seem to get made into, into nicer looking yeah, things. Yeah, I was always... I mean, with both Wayne, Wayne Rabb and, and Chris Weiland, I remember back in school, I was always just like incredibly jealous of their sketchbooks which were these amazing works of oh, art gosh. where the, these incredible 3D renderings all with very precise uh, notes on you know this will be this and yeah, this will yeah. be that and notes and arrows you know, yeah. notes. mine's like a giant like Ralph Steadman vomited into a sketchbook and that's what mine ends up looking like it's, right. it's like yeah it's kind of scary not only I can understand it really well <laughs> right but yeah, so, I mean, so, yeah, process isn't always just one way. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, I, you know, there is an initial starting point for me, and I'm assuming it's for you. I mean, it all starts with the sketchbook. Because yeah. when I tell people, you know, when people ask me, well, where do ideas come from, and how do you start an idea, it's like, you know, the origin of everything is a sketchbook. I yeah. mean, I don't and care whether you can draw or not. It doesn't matter. And now that I'm really thinking about it more, it's like, okay, a sketchbook, Maybe isn't the origin of my ideas, but it's the the manifestation of some of them. Yeah, like I get, I really get influenced a lot by what I see, um, and I'm I don't find myself influenced so much by other woodworkers as by the world around me, um, architecture. I'm really into pottery, um, just different, you know, some some buildings, some some thoughts, some, you know, philosophy, some politics. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that, that hits me from, I mean, the military, that's part of something that will, you know, we might get into this, all this, all these things that are, that I take in. Right. And then that gets into my sketchbook. Right. So it's, it, you know, it doesn't just really start with like, hmm, I'm going to draw today and see what happens. It's like, there's a, whole bunch of shit just boiling up in me and then it gets put out through the sketchbook yeah so, i mean there's, so there's a whole lot that goes on before there's a, there's before a, pencil meets the page right there's there's a push and pull there yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And that's that's the, the part that i really love is like getting and de developing the idea and seeing like how to figure out the shit that's in my head well, I mean, that's the that's the that's the the most confounding part about this whole process oh to God. me is yeah, yeah I don't know what that push and pull yeah. is because I don't know. I mean, I, I, like political art. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really would, you know, I would like to be able to respond to events yeah. in my artwork, but I don't think I can because I think it takes me years and years and years to process yeah. that in my psyche before there's actually something to say. And when I have tried to respond to something that I feel really strongly about, it usually manifests itself in like the shittiest thing I've made. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got sketchbooks from before I was doing woodworking from like in the, um, the mid nineties that have so much political stuff where I was trying to, I mean, I, I think some of them, were, they weren't even furniture. They were just shapes. And like I had this a, a big, question mark on an American flag all made out of screws that I drew and like I, I didn't even understand the language of woodworking yet but they were these, these things that I was drawing and being pissed off about this, this state oh, of the probably world probably more authentic yeah I mean I remember there um, there being like Two months after 9-11, mm -hmm. there was like a sculpture show, and a sculpture and painting show in New York about yeah. art, artists responding to 9-11. Yeah. And my response is, well, how the fuck could they do that? 
you can't. You can't just sit down and, I mean, maybe, I don't know, yeah. maybe a painter can sit down and have a visceral response. But I mean, at least in a, terms of my process, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole function. But what, of, a, what a gift to have the people that can do that. And, it, you know, it's, I, I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say I'm jealous, but I'm, I'm really, I think it's a freaking cool thing to be able to do. And if I could do it someday, my, I'm, I hope I can share it. Yeah, I'm, I'm leery of whether it can be done. I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm pretty skeptical on, on whether you can immediately come up with a visceral response right, to something. Right, to translate anger. I mean, right. That's a, can you come up with – and, and you know, maybe we should wrap it up here. But yeah. can you viscerally respond to something and have it be, air quotes here, good art? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't myself. Um, in a timely manner, like my stuff, like you were saying, takes time. Like that grenade and lock sculpture, that took a lot of thought. And I know it's a real simple piece, but it took me a while to figure that out and to put it together. And it's not like, you know, nine eleven, a week later, grenade sculpture or whatever. You know, it's like yeah, I, I, can't, I can't work like that. I, I mean, again, you know, I'm really skeptical that anybody can. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and it doesn't matter how simple but, a piece well, it is. The relationships between <laughs> two things, sometimes, you know, I mean, I'm so, sure there are many painters out there that probably sit there and hem and haw over two lines for forever. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I find that might, um, that helps me is the, like looking back through, if something's going through my head, looking back through my sketchbooks and be like, oh, I've thought like that before. There it is from four or five years ago and that, that feeling's boiling up again and that I've already started to develop that idea. You know, that's, yeah. so, I mean, yeah, that's, a, that's a long uh, battle that, that, well, I, I mean, that, I think that you, have, you and I fight. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think unfortunately, <laughs> you know, this, this whole talking about processes, it, it's a long haul. And it's different for everybody, but it's it different. is, man. Yeah, it's, like, it's a long. I mean, process is by nature process, yeah. and and you know, there's. I mean, no matter what what it may be, to me, it, it's it's about time. Yeah. I mean, you I can't, mean, you just can't. For me, it's a lot of emotions. Like I laugh and I cry and I I scream and I rage and I smile and I, you know, it's it's all sorts of different stuff, man. That. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. Yeah, it is. It is kind of nuts. Anyways, uh, obviously, lots of stuff to talk about here. So we'll uh, hopefully continue this at another time. Yeah, we'll wrap it up. Why make? <laughs>